Welcome to the Next Level Leadership Small Business Owner Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Vizanar. In this podcast, you'll learn the strategies, processes, and mindset to take you, your teams, and your organization to the next level. Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ben Wiesenall, and today's show is all about tax structures, and in particular, choosing the right one for your particular business, and when's a good time to maybe change that structure as you grow and expand your business. And on today's show, we were blessed to have the expert, Mr. John Briggs. Uh, John is the founder of Insight Tax and Accounting and the author of Profit First for Micro Gems. If you're not familiar with Profit First, we're going to talk about that a little bit on this episode. Definitely dig into it. And or go back and listen to episode number three or four, I think it is, where we interviewed the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Mike Michalowicz, who is the author of the original Profit First. This episode's a little bit longer than normal, but it's got a ton of golden nuggets. We talk about, obviously, tax structure, which one's the best for your type of business, uh, managing burnout, when's a good time to expand and grow your business, and a bunch of other very valuable and impactful topics when we talk about trying to grow a small business. So definitely listen through all the way to the end. And with that, Let's listen in on the interview. John, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, man, it's awesome. I, I you know, I get a, a variety of guests on the show and uh, talk about a, a variety of different topics. And I've, I've had accounts on in the past, but none of them quite with some of the things that we're going to talk about today. And I don't know why I've never thought about some of these things. I know we talked a little bit about about this before the show, but um, I get I get asked this first topic. We'll get into it here in a second after we uh, let you introduce who you are, but. It's probably the second or third or, or definitely top five most common question I get when, it talks, when I talk to new business owners. But for our listeners that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are and who it is that you serve. Sure. Um, so I'm John. We have an accounting firm here in Salt Lake City, Utah, about 30 team members. The focus of our accounting firm is to help our clients grow their wealth, which is a little bit different than traditional firms because a lot of times I just focus on the compliance aspect, um, even maybe advisory stuff, but a lot of times advisory comes down to how, how much can you save in taxes when our focus is let's make sure they're growing their wealth with whatever decision they're making. Um, so we do taxes, we do bookkeeping. We're also certified in profit first, which is a cash flow management strategy that I'm sure I'll talk about a little bit. It always comes up cause I love it so much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's us. We we are a very happily growing company, and we like to serve business owners. I mean, at the end of the day, we think the world's a better place if business owners keep money in their pocket instead of paying it unnecessarily to the government because they kind of suck at spending our money. No, man, there's no such thing as wasteful spending. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we could make a whole series of shows just about... Uh, government ways to it. So, so you, know, you talk about a few different things there. Uh, the, the obvious one is it's not what you make. It's what you get to take home. Um, and taxes is a big part of that. But what I really, really want to talk to you about is, and it's really, it's, 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 it seems like a no brainer. I know we talked about it already, me and you, but um, you know, cause we've started so many businesses. It's not something that's really that complicated, but I get asked this question a lot from new business owners and it is, what type of business structure 
should I be? So when I saw that as one of the topics that you like to talk about, I was like, this, we definitely got at least touch on this for a second, man. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your thoughts, your strategies and how, what, what your advice is for new business owners when we talk yeah. about what type of structure they should be. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is like, I don't blame anyone for being confused about it. I mean, you're, you have this scenario where you could be a sole proprietor, you could be an LLC, you could be a S corp, you could be a C corp or a partnership, or maybe you're an LLC tax as a C corp. And it's like, it, someone's like, I'm passionate about making widgets because I feel like it's going to bring happiness to the world. Then they are, they figure out, wait, I have to look at what? So um, it is complicated. Plus they use stupid words like entity. Um, like what's the right entity to choose? I, I'll say this though. I'm going to talk to you about it from a tax savings standpoint. Um, always check with an attorney. Every state has different rules. Um, in general, though, most of the stuff we suggest will protect you from a liability standpoint as well. So um, let me just kind of run down through the main, the common ones that people probably come across. The first one is being a sole proprietor. This is what happens if you choose not to set up a formal business structure. And when I say set up a business, a formal business structure, I'm talking about contacting your state and going through their hoops so that you can get the right structure set up. If you do nothing, you're automatically considered a sole proprietor. This is a very bad structure for anyone who makes money as a self-employed individual because the IRS charges self-employment tax on that. And I know there's a lot of terms, so I apologize because this world that we live in is usually you know, controlled by government officials who don't speak like human beings. So you have self-employment tax. That's on top of income taxes. You're familiar with your income taxes, but self-employment tax is the payroll tax portion because you're an owner, uh, you're a business owner. And right now it's 15.3%. So you could be in a 20% tax bracket. And if you're a sole proprietor, you've just added 15% on top of that. So you're automatically almost doubling your tax just by having the wrong structure. The next one, the next step up from sole proprietor is being a single member LLC. Uh, this structure can work. Um, we typically use it in some specific tax strategies. But from a tax standpoint, if you just set up a single member LLC, meaning you're the only member, as in single, there's one member, uh, you're also going to pay that same self-employment tax I just talked about, which um, I'll share with you how that can be reduced, um, which is the method that for most people I recommend. Then you have a partnership. Honestly, nowadays, most people don't set up a formal partnership. They actually usually set up a uh, multi-member LLC, meaning instead of just you being the single owner, there's more than you. Um, those are multi-member LLCs. IRS is going to default tax you like a partnership, which if you're actively involved, also is going to have you taxed with that self-employment tax I was talking about. Um, C-Corps in general, Man, honestly, um, unless you know who is going to invest in your company after like you plan on having a big buyout because there's some venture capitalist firms that just are more comfortable with C-Corps, uh, we only use it in specific tax strategy scenarios. It doesn't make a lot of sense for most small business owners. Um, the structure we typically recommend for a business owner 
who's earning ordinary income. So basically anything other than real estate, uh, uh, real estate, like rental activity is an S corporation. The reason we like the S corporation is because you can minimize that 15% self-employment tax. Um, it's all these entities, regardless of what you choose to set up, you got to have a separate business account for it. You're going to run your expenses through it. So like your day-to-day -day activity doesn't change based on the choice of business structure, but um, you do get a lot of tax savings by having the S corporation. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've had you know quite a few different businesses and I've, I've been probably just about all of those. I don't think I've ever been a C corp. I've been an S corp. Um, my consulting is, is an LLC. I started out many, many years ago when I was 18 or 19 with my, one of my first businesses and I started as a sole proprietor and uh, I made those mistakes. You know, I paid a lot more in taxes just, just, just by simply not filing the right paperwork and uh, not knowing any better. Uh, you know, I, I, I charged myself some extra tax um, <laughs> for the, for the, for the uh, luxury of being a business owner, as, as, as I right. like to say. Um, <laughs> and it sounds stupid, but and people can't believe it. They're like, there's no way I'm paying more tax because I own a business. Yes, you are, because you, because <laughs> you, you're set up as a sole proprietor. So. Um, I think that's very important. I think that, like you said, get an attorney, get a great CPA, get a great accountant and find out, you know, kind of where you want to go with your business uh, in the long term and then make some great decisions. And, and the, the key too that, that, that a lot of people don't realize too is either you're not stuck with one. You can always change right, exactly. uh, your type of business for, for your needs, but fi find one that's going to be advantageous for your particular size now. Um, because again, it's not how much you sell or how much you make, it's how much you get to keep at the end of the year. And, you know, 15% of $100,000 is 15,000 bucks. That's a huge chunk of money. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when the government uh, IRS says they want their money at the end of the year, they really want their money. Yeah. That's the last people you want to be on the list of I owe money to. Yeah. They, uh, they're not playing when <laughs> at the end of the year when you, or whenever you file your taxes or whatever, whatever your filing structure is. They, when they say they want their money, they really, really want it, man. Um, <laughs> So what would you advise for the average, um, you know, let's just use an example, say a small brick and mortar retail, you know, they make, they, they buy a product from yep. X at wholesale and sell it at retail. Um, what do, what do you recommend they, they, they set up as maybe in their first, you know, their first year? Yeah, I think the S corp is definitely the right structure there. Um, because it's considered ordinary income retail sales. And, uh, <clears throat> for that reason, you, if you run it through an S corporation, you're going to save 15% on your net income. And, and uh, I mean, like you mentioned, that's, that's a lot. If, I mean, if your net income is hundred grand, that's $15,000 tax savings. Yeah, immediately. Um, so it's, it's a great one. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, profit first. And you kind of, you kind of mentioned that in our intro here. Um, I do want to talk about really the, the main topics. Well, you know, there's one watch almost growing, growing and scaling your business and knowing when to afford, when you can afford to grow. I think that's a common mistake. Um, I think I, I wrote a little paper about it a few years ago about the you know, top seven reasons why businesses fail. And, and a, a big part of it is they try to scale and grow too quickly. So I definitely want to talk to you about that, but talk to me about, about profit first real quick, if you got a second. Yeah. So let me share a little story with you about profit first, or at least how I realized this was the solution. I'm 
sitting in my office. And at the time I was a controller for a door-to-door sales company. And that that's like head accountant. So pretty boring, very, well, very boring job. Not a lot of high energy or drama. And the president of the company comes running in. He must've sprinted completely out of breath. He's like, man, John, you better lock the doors. Don't let anyone know that you're here. Like, okay. Uh, I am just the head accountant here. Uh, seems like you're being a bit dramatic. He's like, look, <clears throat> the owner had been working on a getting a million dollar loan and it didn't go through. So all those checks we just sent out, because um, we had sent out checks uh, as a door-to-door sales company, at the end of the season, you give out these massive bonus checks. So literally the weekend before, we had this huge celebration, 10,000, 20, $30,000 checks going out to these guys. He's like, all those checks we just sent out, they're bouncing and they're all gonna come in here and they're gonna ask for you to write them a new check. Well, those checks are gonna bounce as well. So we can't let anyone know that you're here and you can't write any more checks today. Look, this company did $30 million in revenue. And what happened was like our normal tendency, they see the money in their one bank account and they think I can spend that money. Well, the truth is when a dollar hits our bank account as a business owner, we do have some commitments already to that money, which means we can't spend every dollar of it. You know, some of those commitments, like in a retail store, like that example, you got to pay the landlord. Um, you're going to have commitments to your suppliers to maybe if you're on a, a payable term with them, you're going to have to pay them back your employees. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we, when we have success, the government takes a portion of that. We can reduce it. We're really good at that, but you will owe tax at some point. And so if I have a hundred bucks in the bank account or $10,000 in the bank account, I already know some of that money it needs to be set aside for these other commitments I've already made. Um, by not doing that, by having this one bank account, what happens is Parkinson's law can take hold in our business. Now, Parkinson's law states that the demand for something expands to match its supply. Another way to say that as a business owner, if we're thinking about our bank account here, your expenses, the demand for the cash in your bank account, they're gonna your expenses are gonna continue to expand until there's no more cash to spend. And so with profit first, we say, look, we're not going to try to like fight this human behavior of Parkinson's law and our you know, need to spend the money if we see it. So let's designate the money into separate bank accounts. And each of those bank accounts is going to have a specific purpose, like paying ourselves as the owner. How often does the business owner, especially in a growing startup, not pay themselves what they should be. And then they end up getting burnt out and they're like, I don't know if this is worth it. So we got to pay the owner, most important employer of the business always. Uh, you're going to have some tax due. So let's go ahead and save that. You also, as the owner, are taking risk that your employees are not. So you should be rewarding yourself with that risk in the form of profit distributions. Just like these big companies give out dividends, you should be giving yourself a dividend based on the risk that you're taking. And then, of course, you have operating expenses. Um, the more advanced you get into the system, you can set up accounts for specific things, uh, other specific things. But the idea being setting up these other accounts now 
that I have the money allocated into these other th buckets. When I look at the account that I normally was looking at, so instead of the $10,000 sitting there, maybe there's $4,000. Okay, now I can base my business decisions and what I'm going to spend on $4,000 and not the $10,000 because I've taken care of the previous commitments. Um, and that's kind of the generic way I like to describe of how Profit First works. Um, it's super simple. And I mean, sometimes it sounds so simple that people are like, oh, that, pff, I'm not going to do that. It's too simple. I promise it works. It, I mean, I've, I've lived it and uh, we have hundreds of clients who've lived it. it. And I mean, across the board, Profit First Professionals, I mean, thousands of people have implemented this. It's freaking awesome. And all you do is you see the health of your business financially just improve month over month over month. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's, um, it's kind of, I don't want to say backwards because it's com it's almost common sense, but it's really not the way people run their business. Usually, and you could probably poll a hundred business owners and 98 of them are going to tell you, you know, when do you pay yourself? And most of them will tell you, I pay myself last if I pay <laughs> myself at all. Right. Right. Um, it's kind of backwards, but that that's the way I think, I don't even want to say we're trained, but it's 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 just the way we think as small business owners, especially those that don't have a background in business. And I have a background in business. Both my parents owned several different businesses. I grew up in, in businesses and they never taught me that that way of doing it, you know. And um I looked back and when I realized any business I ever had that whether it succeeded or failed, those tough times were always because I didn't follow um a methodology like profit first. So um, I use it in, in all the businesses that I own currently. And I can tell you that um, it, it's a lot less stressful and you sleep a lot better at night, to say the least. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And you're right. I think it's just something where culturally we've accepted that most business owners don't pay themselves first and they're hoping there's crumbs left over after everyone else has taken a bite at the feast. And we're saying, no, you you fill your plate first full of food that's going to satisfy you. And then with the food remaining, you're able to share that the way you need to. And it's amazing. I'm not a creative person. I mean, I'm a freaking accountant, right? I love numbers. So, um, but when you force yourself to live and like service your business growth based on the money left over, you find creative ways to make it happen. So yeah, you got to pay yourself first as an owner. Like just because the world accepts it as something that's okay, it's not okay, man. You got to pay yourself first. <laughs> yeah, and um, Parkinson's law, uh, you can apply that to uh, not just money, but time. You oh, know, totally. and I tell people, you know, if you if you doubt that it's real, go at, go ask your employee to do X. Tell one of them they have an hour. Tell another one they have twenty minutes, and watch how long it takes them to get those two, those the same thing done to different people. The one who has 20 minutes will get it done in 20 minutes. The one who won't will take exactly 59 minutes, yeah. and 59 seconds. If not, and if not an hour and five minutes, um, yeah. how many college term papers are written the night before to do? Hey, exactly. I'm, I'm super guilty of that. <laughs> Even though I had all year to do my uh, thesis, you know, <laughs> um, it got done the week it was due. Uh, you know, it's just the way it is. So no doubt about it, man. Let's talk about, you know, growing and scaling. Cause a lot of people talk, you know, ask me about those kind of questions and, um, it's, there's really no one size fits all for that. It just depends on the type of business and what's going on in the world and all that fun stuff. But it, it, it's one of the things that I do is, you know, business strategy. And we talk about growing and scaling cause that's what everybody wants to do. Um, 
but the biggest hurdle, the, the biggest misstep is no one really when they can afford to grow and scale. So um, that's, that's where I was really excited to see that on, on one of the topics you like to talk about. So I definitely, I want to talk about that for a bit. So what, what do you have a methodology, a strategy? What is, what is your process when we talk about knowing like what's those indicators, those KPIs that say, okay, now's the time to, to dump the clutch and let's, let's start growing. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the, the methodology is profit first because it's designed to work within what the business owner is trying to accomplish. And let me say this too about growth. I, I love using services like Uber and, uh, but these types of companies for, they're not profitable and they kind of sensationalize this idea of borrowing money, getting a ton of money and not making any money, but because there's somehow there's value in it. Um, and I think it does us a disservice as small business owners who don't have the resources to raise billions of dollars uh, because what's going on is those billions of dollars they're raising is subsidizing what they should be charging for the app uh, because their, their goal is to get to the next valuation and money raise period. Whereas small business owners, we don't have that luxury. So um, I will just tell you so that those listening know where I'm coming from. I'm always going to favor steady, smart growth over um, explosive growth where we're plowing every dollar that we earn back into the business because usually those dollars we're plowing back in the business should have gone to our pockets for our livelihood. And instead you have the business owner sleeping on the couch somewhere, or, you know, they're just, they're stressed out of mat out to their max because they don't feel like they have any money to live off of because they're, you know, quote unquote, experiencing explosive growth and they want to invest every cent into the company. I don't think that's healthy. Um, and so with the profit first system, the way we know if we're ready to grow or not is one, we can set up a brand new account. And in this account, we start allocating a small percentage of our income directly into that account. Can I, and after I'm doing that, now I'm seeing, okay, am I still able to pay my operating expenses after I've set this money aside? Hmm, it looks like I am. Okay, cool. So one, I've accumulated some cash in this account because it took me a couple months to feel comfortable with it. But now I know whatever money I was putting there, I have that available to spend right now. Um, and so sometimes that growth comes in the form of adding the next new team member. Sometimes, and um, I we were talking about this before we started recording, maybe we can dive into it. Uh, sometimes that means you could open up another location, but you know, if you're opening up another location, you better make sure you're taking into consideration every single facet of what those costs are going to be because you kind of exponentially step up your almost double your monthly expense amount by having a second location when maybe the idea should be, how do I maximize the crap out of my first location before doing the second location? Um, but I mean, ultimately it comes down to being purposeful about setting up an account for growth, seeing the money that you're putting into it, not affecting your operations, and now you know how much you can afford to put it toward growth, again, without sacrificing the pleasure you're getting out of working in your business and not risking burnout. Because man, when burnout happens, that triggers so fast. And, uh, you know, one week the guy um, or gal or, uh, you know, they could be just super 
excited about their business and then burnout happens and they just want to burn the whole thing down the next week. We, we got to avoid that because the world is a better place with business owners uh, pushing their passion into the world through the form of their business. Uh, I believe, at least here in the States, that uh, I don't believe it. I know it to be true and to be factual that um, you know, the lifeblood of our economy. And, and if COVID has taught us anything, it's definitely shown us this, that our American economy, 100 gazillion times, a thousand gazillion times, you know, to infinity, uh, relies and is driven and is foundationally supported by small businesses. There's just absolutely no doubt about it. Absolutely. Um, you know, they talked about how there's more billionaires made in the last year ever. And I'm like, well, how is that even possible with, with all these small businesses being closed, you know, so much being closed, you know, we had the worst economy supposedly, you know, and, and our generation, but yet we've had more billionaires created. Um, what they failed to tell you is a lot of that is, is it's just organizations that are not small businesses, right? There, there have been some small businesses that were created and, and filled some niches and needs, but it's really a lot of large corporations just got richer. And a lot of their employees got richer and their shareholders got richer, you know, um, and you kind of alluded to it when you talked about how other businesses, you know, they, they, when you, in, in Bland Matthews, is, this episode hasn't aired yet, but we, it'll be airing in the next week or two. Um, and that's what we talked about is how a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you, a lot of businesses, startups, especially that that's all they talk about is how much they've raised, how much capital they've raised. And, and it's how much, what have you created? You know, you're not really a small business owner. Um, you haven't created anything. You've just raised capital. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you, you've done anything spectacular. You haven't created anything. Um, and so I think that small business owners, uh, you know, you, you touched on it. They, they've got to be aware of what they're doing. Uh, doubling doesn't always mean doubling your profit, right? Because you, you may have just doubled your headaches and your problems. Um, and something else I don't think about, too, is they've opened a second location. And I just use that as an example, because that's what a lot of people want to do. I want to open up a location. I'll make a hundred thousand. Now I should make 200,000 when I open up the second location. And I don't think they realize is that you don't have another you unless you do. And if you do that, other you is going to cost you some money. Um, and so just, just by doubling your location, you doubled your, your headache in some cases, not always, but in most cases you double your headache. Um, but you don't have that infrastructure there. Um, that's necessarily going to mean you're automatically going to double your income. And that's assuming your second location does the same uh, or more in, in revenue that your original location does. So um, that's not always the case, right? So they've got to be aware of that. Sometimes double doesn't mean double, not double profit anyway. No, no, it doesn't. And I mean, with one location too, especially depending on how new that new location is, uh, man, if you don't have the right processes in place, not only did you just double, I mean, double your headache, but you doubled your workload too. Like if you're spending 40 hours a week in the one location to keep it profitable with no processes, you're going to spend another 40 weeks in the second location. So before you jump to the next growth stage, like make sure everything's dialed in and you've reduced the hours it takes you to make the same amount of money that you had before. Um, we work a lot with gym owners and it is a common mistake Maybe they'll have one class that is consistently full and they're like, oh, we better jump to a new location. No, no. Let's wait till all your classes have waiting lists and are full. Let's make sure your current location, I, why take on extra cost when you could bring on revenue and not increase your costs? I mean, that's the way we should be looking at it. 
how do I invest more in my first location? Because you probably will find an opportunity to double your revenue, which is what you're trying to do with the second location anyways. Then once that happens, what, of course, while you're doing it, if you're following a system like Profit First, you'd probably set up a separate account and start putting money into it. Like, okay, second, I'd mark it as second location cost. Because uh, when you move locations, you have some lump costs up front uh, that you, a lot of business owners maybe don't take that into consideration. Like you said, they kind of just think, oh, I'm doing hundred grand here. Great. I'd rather do 200 grand. So let's have a second location. And often it just does not work out that way. Um, if there's not a thought out plan. Yeah. And you, you, you talked about it real, you know, briefly, you talk about, we talk about growing and scaling. It doesn't always mean second locations. Um, sometimes, and it, it's just as simple as how, what, how can we grow more where we're at, you know? Um, and I, you know, I'm sure you probably use, you know, same methodology or something similar, you know, the 80, 20 rule, um, where do we really need to focus? What can we cut? What can we, you know, what can we put all our, not all our eggs in, but what, what can we focus on to truly grow a business? Like I said, maybe it's adding another employee or another product or service that complements what we do. Um, you know, I talk a lot of upsell and, and downsell and cross sell. Um, do you have a great, you know, do you have those processes down? And if you don't, um, before you, you know, dive into a second location, why don't you? Because like you said, once you take yourself out that mix, because you can't be in two places at once. Um, I promise you that second location is not going to run as good as your first one because you're not there. Or, or when you're at the second one, the first one's not going to run as, run as well. Um, so you got to have those systems in place, right? Yeah. And, and to that point too, those amazing things, suggestions you just had, like why not add those the cross selling and the upselling and all that stuff, to the first location, because then when you move to the second location and add it, you have all that stuff in place now. And you will, if you grow the first location the right way, you'll be able to grow the second location even faster. But if you jump too soon and now all of a sudden you're trying to add new stuff to both locations at the same time, I just don't think it's personally worth the headache. Like, I like money. I want to live comfortably too, but we, we got to take into consideration the, the, the happiness and just, I, I'm just, I don't, I don't live by the whole hustle and grind and just work 80 hours a week until some, you know, I don't even arbitrary point in the future where you're like, Oh, I guess I can stop working 80 hours a week. I, I'd rather enjoy the journey while I'm along, while I'm going along the way, you know? Yeah. You're supposed to hike is supposed to be beautiful, right? Yeah. Not, uh, not treacherous to say the least. Um, John, as we start to wind down, uh, was there anything maybe that, that you would like our listeners to know or something we glazed over uh, that you'd like to, to, to cover before we head out? Yeah. You know, there's one thing with all the clients. So as part of the profit first system, the first step you do is you analyze where your business is currently at. And in all of those that we've done, we've done more than a hundred as a firm. Every single time we can identify expenses that the client, the business owner, um, really is not getting any value out of. And I would just encourage all your listeners to set aside a couple hours and go through your last month of expenses. You may find some that you thought you had canceled. Um, but you may find some that you can't actually justify as an investment. And I think if an expense isn't an investment, whether that's improving the quality you give to your client, improving um, the ease, like so it saves you time. There's a different, there's a few different ways of investing 
um, or thinking of investments. But if you can't justify it, have the courage to cut it because the more unnecessary expenses you get rid of, the faster your growth, your cash grows, the faster your wealth can grow, and the faster you can take that money that was being used for unproductive expenses and now put them towards productive expenses. So if anyone's interested, um, they can go to our website, insighttax.com backslash wealth. And we have a tool on there, a resource where I share the nine questions that we use with our clients on how to analyze expenses. So looking at one expense, I'd ask those nine questions to myself. And usually by doing that, I can determine, should I really have this expense or not? And look, we're business owners. We're allowed to make mistakes, guys. And maybe one of those mistakes was taking on expense that didn't work out. Well, the sooner you know that, the sooner you should cut it. So um, that's a free resource for people if they're interested, insighttax.com backslash wealth. Um, I, it's always worthwhile to review your expenses periodically. I agree with that, sir, wholeheartedly. Um, and that's a perfect segue. So for our listeners that uh, they want to track you down and learn more about what you do, where are the best places to find you at? Yeah, so in our main website is insighttax.com. If you're a gym owner, Profit First for Micro Gyms uh, is, is another good resource. But uh, yeah, you can find all about us at insighttax.com. We have uh, active blog and I do my best to be pretty straight and to the point, no fluff. Um, so there's quite a few good tax strategies that I, we've already blogged about that are just available for you to read and find out if they make sense for your situation. Um, yeah, that's probably the best place for people to look at us. Awesome. And do you guys have a Facebook page or Instagram, anything like that? Yeah. At Insight Tax for both of them. At Insight Tax for both of them. Awesome. And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes for any of our guests that um, want to hunt you down, man. Hey, John, I appreciate it. tons of golden nuggets today. We talked about a lot of different things. We kind of jumped around. I apologize for that. But I really wanted to talk about all those little things because I think they're all very important. Um, tons of golden nuggets. I appreciate your time today, man. I appreciate you. Being yeah. On the show. I appreciate you letting me be on. Um, I love sharing this message with owners because like we've talked about already, I think the U S economy sits on our shoulders. We don't get enough credit for it. And there's not as much resources available for us as there are for the big guys. Uh, but I, I just hope everyone stays in business, whatever, wherever they're at, that they grow from where they're currently at and they can do that. Um, and, and the world needs you to do that. Man, absolutely, brother. And for our listeners, hope you learned at least one thing today that will help take you to the next level. Hey, thanks for listening today. For more episodes, make sure to click the subscribe button below and check out our blog for other impactful information that might be of interest to you at vizanaconsulting.com forward slash blog. That's Vizana, V is in victory, E-Z-I-N-A consulting.com slash blog. If you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at vizanaconsulting.com. That's podcast at vizanaconsulting.com. I'm your host, Ben Vizanaw, and I'll see you next time on the Next Level Leadership and Small Business Owner Show.